I've been looking forward to talking to this man for a long time. Uh, really one of the uh, great memory experts of all time. I, I remember buying his book when I was a kid. And well, I'll tell him about when we get on. Let's introduce the great Harry Lorraine memory expert now to the show. And Harry, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, even with the uh, subway strike here. I know. How's it going up there? I just watching the news. I'm from up there originally, Long Island. It looks like it's a mess every day getting to work. Oh, God, it is such a mess. I, I, I have a little laryngitis. You'll have to excuse me yelling for taxi cabs. It's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's terrible, but they're telling me now they may be settling. Is that right? Okay, I know they're being fined something like a million dollars a day, right? The union is up there? Uh, yeah. I don't know if they'll ever really do it, but that's what they're saying. Yeah, I know. I mean... It's, first of all, the people in New York don't uh, have any patience when it comes to uh, you know the commute to work and when they have to walk or roller skate or whatever they have to do, take cabs. It's got to be brutal, especially with the cold weather, too, right? Well, you know, they've been taking it. You know, New Yorkers are funny. For the first two days, people are doing it, you know, and laughing. I think if it goes to the fourth or fifth day, we may have violence. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think they'll be that thrilled oh, on the boy. third day. It's not fun, but hopefully they'll get it uh, fixed up and uh, look for the fare increase to come soon afterward, Harry. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> In any case, let's talk about memory. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I just was telling the audience, and uh, when I was, I guess it was, 10 or 12 years old, back in the, the mid-70s there, I was in the airport, we were going on a trip somewhere, and I saw your book in the in the airport shop, and I got it. It was the, the great memory book you did with Jerry Lucas, one of my favorite yeah. books of all time. Uh, thank you very much, but it's interesting. That was 19, yeah, that came out 1973-74. But my first book, How to Develop a Superpower Memory, Doug, I think came out long before you were born. That's 1956. Is that right? Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. that sold 8 million copies. I'm knocking wow. wood as I talk to you. That's great, yeah. I know the one uh, that, that you did then was uh, with, uh, I was a big Nick fan back then, and Jerry Lucas, of course, a big star with the Knicks, and you kind of teamed up together on that one. It was, I mean, we did so many TV appearances as well. We was, did, uh, we did, but I, I have to uh, disappoint you a little bit. Uh, Lucas had as much to do with writing the book, Doug, as you did. Right, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember but he, so did, he did help me promote it, which is why I put his name on Oh, sure. Well, I, more from a Nick perspective that I like Jerry Lucas. Oh, yeah, he was a big... But you know what's interesting, talking about that? He's kind of been forgotten because, you know, I get this to this day. When I meet people, they say, oh, you wrote the book with Dave DeBuscher, or you wrote the book with Walt <laughs> Frazier. They, they forgot Lucas. That's right, yeah, he has kind of disappeared. I know he, he became a preacher, didn't he? Uh, later? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he got into religion, but that's a long story. He, a, did right. it, he did it because he didn't want to pay taxes. It's a long story. <laughs> well, <laughs> enough about Jerry. Let's talk about uh, but you, Harry. I remember seeing you a lot on the Mike Douglas show uh, when I was oh, a kid. Gosh, and, yeah. uh, and, and, of course, Johnny Carson working yeah. with him. How, how was that? He passed away about a year ago now. How was it working with Johnny Carson? Well, you know, he was a dear friend, uh, Johnny. He was he was a fan of mine, which was kind of difficult to handle because he used to act shy in front of me, you know. Uh, Johnny uh, started uh, as a magician, you know, as a ventriloquist and a magician. And one of my avocations, Doug, is, is card magic. I've written 25 books on the subject. Mm -hmm. So the assumption is I know what I'm talking about, you know. And, and I published a, uh, a, ma a, magic, a magazine for a monthly magazine for magicians for 20 years. It's kind of a hobby of mine. And the reason I mention it is Johnny uh, subscribed to the magazine and he always bought my magic books. And uh, he put me on 23 times I was on the show with him. Yeah, I know it was quite a few times. I know you, you do the 
the uh, the performance where you would memorize everybody in the audience and then give, give out their names uh, exactly. while they're on the air. That, that's, that's a great... I think you did on the Mike Douglas show, too, if I remember I did, correctly. Yeah, I did. Mike, oh, gosh, I must have done the Mike Douglas show 40 times, Doug. That's, uh, that, you know, those days are gone. With it. There was Mike Douglas and, uh, and Merv uh, Griffin uh, at the shows that we did. But it's okay. I've done the Regis Philbin show, for example, five or six times. Oh, sure, so. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I kind of miss that, too, just uh, those kind of talk shows. We kind of try and do that here on the radio to kind of bring that back a little bit, just having people like yourself on and, and conversation shows. You don't see that much on TV anymore. No, you don't, and I, and I think that's very good because people learn from that, I believe. Yeah, I really... If, if, if you get interesting guests. Well, you're interesting. We wanted to have you on for a long time, Harry. Well, <laughs> I mean, now, look, I, I'm here for you. <laughs> talk a little bit about, uh, you have some new, uh, a new product out you, uh, you want to talk about? New book out? Well, not really. You know what happened with, you know, I'm kind of semi-retired, uh, Doug, and most of my work is with corporate uh, people. You know, corporate, uh, I'm talking about the 400 largest corporations in the world probably, use my systems as part of their regular training programs, you know. They finally realized, not, you know, it's been for a long time now, they've been doing it, it's got to be 25 years, that they realize that memory is very important. I mean, if you're selling insurance, and if I call you, Sam, instead of Doug, you're not going to be too anxious to buy my insurance policy, you right. know? They, so they, and they also found out that when, if you, when you, as a potential client, ask a question of the insurance salesman, like, what is the uh, premium for such and such an insurance policy? If they have to take out that big book of premiums and look it up, you've lost a little bit of confidence. And if you can say, if you can answer immediately, you've gained some confidence. So corporations have started to learn that, that, that people should know their style numbers and prices and names of potential clients or current uh, clients is very important. So anyway, the reason I mentioned that, what has happened, I do seminars and motivational speaking, you know, demonstrating the memory work for corporations. And what happened is... Uh, I couldn't do it all. I, I could only be at one place at a time. So what I did is I put together what I call the Memory Power Course, which is a bunch of videos and a bunch of uh, CDs of me personally doing the teaching. In other words, it was the closest I can get the personal instruction from me because, as I say, I couldn't be at more than one place at a time. So that's the that's my main product now. It's a million times better than a book because sounds egotistical, but I don't care. Modesty is becoming a drag. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's me doing the teaching, Doug. And that's the memory power course, and people can learn about it if they go to harrylorraine.com. Yeah, that's a problem, because people are not sure how to spell my name. So if you go to fantasticmemory.com, see, my, my feeling is this. If you can't spell fantastic, I'm not going to be able to help that's you. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so if you go to fantasticmemory.com, you come to the same website, and you'll see Dick Cavett and Mel Brooks and people like that talking about the Memory Power course. I think you'll find it interesting. It really is. They're fun websites you have, Harry, and uh, I enjoy looking at different kind of websites. And yeah, I think you make a good point there, particularly uh, us down here in the radio business. You, know, you have the sales staff. Remember oh, people's names and faces, obviously, if you, if you have to, can do that without having to look at a card or something like that. It, it gets that one-on-one -on -one going right away, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know what it reminds me of, and I've written about this in a book, and so I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase myself. You know, I, as I say, I'm a, basically, I, I started as a performer, and I would be at these big conventions that corporations have, and I'd be sitting on the, uh, the dais. I, I hesitated because I don't know if it's dais or dais. I, I think <laughs> if the dinner is over 50 bucks, it's a dais. Right. You know, <laughs> otherwise, it's a dais. In any case, I'd be sitting there, and I'd why, and I have to be there early because I'm going to meet all the people as they come in, you know, to remember the names, which is part of my thing. 
and I noticed, I heard basically all the people saying, oh, how lovely to see you, how's the missus, uh, what have you been doing with you, you know, all these nice remarks, but nobody was making eye-to-eye contact. And I finally realized why. They were all looking at each other's left chest area. <laughs> you know why? Those name cards. The name tags. Because they didn't know who the heck they were talking to. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, it's so obvious when you're saying to somebody, oh, how lovely it is to see you, and you're not making eye contact. Oh, yeah, I know. We're talking. Uh, so, you know, I would notice these things. and it, You know, Doug, it's the universal memory complaint. The universal memory complaint is... I'm introduced to somebody, and a minute later, I forget his or her name. That's right, yeah. And I've said for years, that's a lie. That's not true. You don't forget his or her name. What you've done is you haven't remembered it in the first place. You know, usually, the way you're introduced is, Mr. Miles, say hello to Mr. Fonsenfone. You hear a mumble. Yeah. There's no way to remember. And, and incidentally, the reason you're hearing a mumble is because the introducer don't remember the incident, <laughs> the introducee's name, you know? So... Hearing a, number, uh, a mumble doesn't do it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's such a simple thing. It's such a simple, basic idea. Make sure you hear the name in the first place. That's the first step. I know. Remember, from reading your book, you would say try and find maybe an outstanding feature on the person's face or the hair color and, and associate that with the name. Maybe make the name, if it sounds like like moose or something, associate it with a moose, that, that kind exactly. of thing. Wait, yeah. you know what it is? Yeah, you know, I have a cliché, uh, Doug. It's a contradictory statement. The statement is this. Even if my systems don't work, they must work. Now, I, of course, that's a contradictory statement, but I know exactly what I'm talking about because because just trying to apply my systems, even if they didn't work, which, which of course, they do beautifully, but even if they didn't work, has to better your memory. I'm going to tell you why, if, if you've got a minute. Sure, go ahead. Okay. What you just said is part, there are three steps to remembering names and faces. The first step is to make the name meaningful, as you just said. For example, let me use an example. How about oh, just uh, some years ago, I met a, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Puck Shiva. Now, that's a difficult-sounding name. It's a Polish name. It's got a lot of C's, E's, and Y's in the spelling, you know, mm-hmm. but it's pronounced Puck Shiva. P-U-C-K-Z-Y-V-A, something like that. Now, how in the world are you going to remember that? That's, you see, most names are conglomerations of sounds. They, they have no meaning. Your name happens to have meaning, but most names don't. Okay, the first thing you have to do is to make that name meaningful. Now, how would I make a name like Puck Shiva meaningful? Very simple. I thought of a hockey puck on ice. What, is it, what do you do when you're on ice? You shiver, Puck Shiva. Now, all of a sudden, don't you see what has happened here? Suddenly, I can visualize that name. The, the reason most people don't remember names and numbers is because they're abstracts. They have no meaning. Puck Shiva is a con- conglomeration of sound, unless maybe it means something in Polish, but I don't know that. <laughs> so to me, it's a, a conglomeration of sound. What does a number mean? What does five mean to you, except that it's one lower than uh, six and it's one higher than four? It, it, it's a concept. It's abstract. You can't visualize it. What I do is I teach people how to make things abstract. How do you like that? I just made up a word. Yeah, I like uh, it's not a bad word. You, you make things meaningful. That's the point. Thing, you see, the concept is anything that you can see in your mind's eye, anything visual is easy or easier to remember. It's, it's that simple. Anyway, getting back to Puck Shiva, 
here's the point. When I said even if the systems don't work, they must work. In order to do the little thing I just told you, in other words, to take the name Puck Shiver and make it meaningful by thinking a hockey puck shivering on ice, you had to do something that 99.9% of the people in the world don't do, and that is listen. How in the world could I come up with a puck shivering on ice if I didn't hear the name in the first place? Mm. That's what I mean when I say even if my systems don't work, if you try to apply them, you have just paid attention to that name. Now, the next step is what you said. Look at the person's face. You see, all my systems are based on the reminder principle, Doug. One thing reminds you of the other. You know, and that's a natural phenomenon. We all do this. We go through life looking at something, hearing something, thinking something, and saying either aloud or mentally, oops, that reminds me. In other words, if you looked at a book and it reminds you to buy a carton of cigarettes, I'm just making up these silly examples, uh, somewhere subconsciously, you ha- had made a connection, an association between book and cigarettes. You mm-hmm. had to. Right. That's why book reminded you of cigarette. The problem with that is it's a, it's a subconscious calisthenic. You do it without realizing it. So if you made a strong association, it reminded you. If you didn't, well, you forgot it, in quotes. Uh, that's the problem. You have no control over it. I teach people how to do it knowingly, how to make that association in your mind knowingly. Once you do that, one thing reminds you of the other. A face reminds you of a name. A, 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 a telephone number reminds you of the person you're calling. Thing, you know, the the English word reminds you of the foreign language equivalent. Uh, all things break down to, you know, units of two. One thing reminds you of the other. So now, you look at the person's face, and you pick an outstanding feature. Now, that could be anything. You know, in my classes, I have people look at my face and shout out, what do you think is the outstanding feature? I'll get 10 different things, mm-hmm. which is fine. You know, it's, it's an, in other words, what you see as the uh, individual or important feature, that's what you use. Now, again, look what I forced you to do. In order to select an outstanding feature, again, you do what most people in the world do not do. You have looked at the face. You know, in this... I don't know, in this era of television, I guess it is, uh, people look at my left ear when I'm introduced to them, you know, and I, <laughs> I have to keep leaning to the left and say, look, I live here in my eyes, That's not in right. my ear. People are not making eye contact. No. But if you look at a person and try to pick an outstanding feature, like uh, his high forehead or his big nose, whatever, you have been forced to look, and that's half the battle. I've made you listen, and I've made you look. We're talking with Harry Lorraine, and uh, we were in the middle of... Uh uh, talking about how you remember uh, faces and names. And, Harry, I think the third step we're up to, right? Yeah, the third step is if we get back to what I call the reminder principle. You've got the two important things. You've made the uh, name Puck Shiver uh, visual in your mind. It's a hockey puck shivering on the ice, perhaps. And you've picked an outstanding feature, let's say, high forehead on the person's face, Mr. Puck Shiver's face. Now you've got to connect the two so that one reminds you of the other. For, and you've got to make it silly. There is a... Another principle of mine, I call it the slap-in-the-face principle. Uh, I'll tell you why. I'll drop a name. Aristotle, 3,000 years ago, was a teacher. He was a philosopher and a teacher. When he made what he thought was an important point to his student, he'd slap the student in the face very hard. The concept being the student would never give, forget that moment. But that hurts, and I'm too small to do that, so we do it mentally. And so make it silly. That's the slap in the face. Because we tend to forget, and I always put the word forget in quotes, we tend to forget mundane, everyday things. But the unusual, the impossible, the violent, the the terrible, those things we remember easily. So make
make it silly, make it impossible. I would see a million hockey pucks, a million, I exaggerate, hockey pucks coming out of that gentleman's bar and they're all shivering. That's it. Mm. I have now locked it into my mind. And that's all I do. That's what my students all over the world do who remember names at their meetings. You know, I remember 400, 500 people at a time. But I do that only to show people that it's easy to swing one bat when you practice swinging three. You don't have to do that. You don't, people, most people don't have to remember 400 names like I do. You want to remember 12 at a meeting or, or your customers uh, every day. What was the and most that's names, all you have to do. What was the most names you ever did in one particular performance? You know, when I first started, Doug, that's an interesting question. I was on an ego trip. I would remember everybody in my audience, up to a thousand people. Until I started to realize that by the time I got to the 300th name, I could read everybody's mind. They were saying, great, what else do you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, in other words, I'm also, as I said, I'm a ham. I'm, a, I'm an entertainer also, and you have to draw a line. You know, like, you remember 300 names, people think it's terrific. By the 920th name, they're falling asleep. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so even though I do it with humor and laughs and etc. But to answer your question... Regular audiences, 200, 300 people, I remember everybody in the room. For another reason, if I left out one table, let's say, they would be insulted. You know, so I have right. to be careful. Right, I have right. to draw kind of <laughs> silly lines. Did, now, at one time you were memorizing, was it the New York City phone book? Or was that the one you were doing? Well, no, I used to do that as a gag, but basically what I do at every lecture is I memorize a current issue of a current magazine, a okay. weekly magazine. Right, I remember that, like, yeah. Yeah, like Time Magazine. And That's they, what I do. They call out the that page, and, and you'd know what the ad on the right corner, or the center exactly. and left corner, yeah. Exactly, and you would see that on my uh, website, because they took, when they put the website together, they took a piece of that from an appearance of mine and stuck that in where I do the uh, what I call the magazine memory feat. Yeah, that's, that's a great uh, performance that's done. when you do Incidentally, that. Again, you know, I do these things. Why in the world would you, Doug, or any of your listeners, why would you want to remember what's on every page in Time Magazine? You wouldn't. But in certain businesses, like I mentioned the insurance business uh, at the top of the show, you want to remember your premiums. You want to remember what you read if you're going to school. For students, it is the greatest help in the world. Harry, we just got about a minute left. Why don't you give out your website again? Uh, well, like I say, it's Harry Lorraine, which is spelled L-O-1-R-A-Y-N-E. So it's harrylorraine.com or, easier to remember, fantasticmemory.com. That's great. Harry, we got to have you on again. If you're available after the New Year, we'd love to have you back. There's so much I'd like to ask you, and we're just out of time today. But uh, appreciate you coming on today. I've been a big fan of your work for a long time, and uh, let's do it again maybe in January February. Be my pleasure, sir, because I just got started. You know, I'll be on for a couple hours. <laughs> You're like Milton Burley <laughs> said he would bow for 40 minutes, right? <laughs> exactly. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Harry.